people first organizations will win in the future of work. Your only real asset is your people. We, we all, all want, want purpose-driven work. work. HR-led organization is I'm sorry, but leaders don't lead empty desks and empty shop floors. Welcome to the People Strategy Leaders Show. I'm your host, Sri Chalapa, founder and president of Engagedly, and a serial entrepreneur in technology, films, and music. This is where we talk to people leaders, business strategists, and organizational savants about leading in the time of change. What is working, what is not working, and more importantly, what we should be thinking about. Stick around to the end of the show. We will reveal how you can be our next guest. And now, let's engage. Hello, this is Sri Chalapa again with People Strategy Leaders Podcast. And today I'm joined with Rod McDermott, who's the CEO and co-founder of Activate 180, which helps companies elevate employee performance, productivity, and happiness through affordable coaching for all. The CEO and co-founder of McDermott and Bull, one of the fastest growing executive search firms in North America with offices domestically and internationally. And he's also the president and CEO of MNB. Interim Leaders, which he founded along with Angela Anderson in 2011 to address an increased client need for time-sensitive solutions to important leadership challenges. He's also the founder of MNB Executive Network, a community of in-transition senior-level executives seeking guidance to land their next role, serving over 10,000 members since inception. So obviously, you've been around a lot of executives, so I'm excited to speak about that on the show. Thanks, Shri. Hey, I'm excited to be here. You know, when you when you uh, go through my bio, it sounds like I'm way too busy. I need to scale back. Busy is good these days, right? Yeah. Way. I'll take busy. Yeah, busy is better than not being busy. But yeah. um, so, Rod, uh, obviously, there's a lot of changes that have happened in the last two, three years, and everybody's been talking about uh, the changes uh, in the workplace, the behaviors, the balance of power between employees and, and and organizations and the agility in which people have to move now in the organization as well. What are you seeing is the future of work when you talk to these executives that you're working with? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. And I see it from a couple different perspectives, right? So, you know, as you mentioned, I'm the CEO and co-founder of Activate 180, which is a corporate coaching program that, you know, executive coaching has been around a long time, right? Shri, I've had an executive coach for 21 years. Uh, it's kind of changed my life and helped me out. But we created a model where we can coach at all levels of the company at an affordable uh, affordable price point so that companies don't have to say, hey, who are my high potentials? Let's put them in there. Let's do just coaching for the leaders or the executives. No, let's ignite the rocket fuel of a company and let's get everybody leveling up. And so that's what our coaching business does. But I have a different perspective as well, being CEO of a top 25 North American retained executive search firm because we're trying to attract talent to our clients, right? And so I see what works and I see what doesn't work. And I see kind of the levers that companies need to either pull or start pulling if they want to go not only attract, but retain the very best talent, right? And, you know, one of the things I'm seeing is, um, I, you know, COVID kind of did something to people's kind of um, psyche about work and what it represents in their life, right? There's this concept that we call at Activate 180, we've heard of work-life balance forever, right? We have a concept we call work-life harmony, right? It's different. Work-life balance kind of implies a compromise, right? Mm -hmm. Life harmony says my whole life is in harmony and, and there's no way I can divide myself into you know professional rod and personal rod. I'm one person. So how do I do all that in harmony? 
And that's what people are looking for. And they're looking for work that doesn't feel like work. They're looking for something that gets them up, gets them excited. And, and it's not just the work they're doing, but it's the people they're doing it with. And it's the value they feel from the company, you know? And it's funny, I, I, I talked to some CEOs that I know that have been around a long time and, you know, they're, they're frustrated by this being an employee market, employees getting to dictate how much I'm, I'm making, you know, and, and getting offered a lot of money or where I want to work. And they're saying, hey, I want things to get back to normal. Some people are, are, are looking at this upcoming recession that we're probably going to have and say, well, it'll shift the balance of power back to the employers. But in my sense, the reality is the best companies are going to be the ones that take in, into account the fact that you're spending most of your waking hours with me. I have an obligation back to you and it's more than just money, mm -hmm. you know? And so that's where I see the future of work going. Yeah. And, you know, it's very interesting. I actually say the same thing. You know, you, you spend your best hours of your day at work, yeah. working with the people that you love or hate or whatever it is. It's just a workplace, right? And you're spending the least energy hours at home with your family. So it's kind of unfortunate in some ways. So why not make at least the, those best hours, uh, you know, fulfilling for the employee who's uh, at the workplace? And that's was the whole premise of, you know, engagedly that we started uh, the product company to make a workplace more fulfilling and enjoyable for, for all, because it can be just about money, you know, because we have a, a limited amount of time and energy on this planet Earth we might as well try to make the best out of it. So this, it's almost like a human human condition problem that we want to solve. Uh, if yeah. you want to be better humans uh, and have better life experiences in, in general, and it can just be about money uh, at the end of the day, you know? Yeah, I, I, I think through COVID, people started really weighing mortality and saying, how do I want to spend my time? How do I want to spend my life? If I've got X number of years left, what do I want that made up of, right? And, and do I want to go to a place where I'm just not happy, you know? And I mean, you've read the same stuff uh, that we've read, statistics saying at any given time, as many as 85% of people at a company could be disengaged, mm -hmm. right? They're just not engaged in either the work they're doing, who they're doing it with, who they're doing it for, any of that. And it's like, we've got to fix that. And if we Here's the opportunity, right? I don't look at it as a problem. I look at it as an opportunity. If we can shift that 85% and 15% engagement and now make it 85% engaged, now we're really talking about something. Now we're really, that's what Google does. That's what Apple did. That's what these great companies that took off like rockets were able to do is create that level of engagement and openness with their people and giving them you know, lives. And it's funny, we, you know, 20 years ago, we'd make fun of, you know, the companies, they had the ping pong tables and they have these other things. But the reality is you give people a chance to uh, unwind for 30 minutes. You give people a chance to hit that reset button. They come back renewed and then they go, they get fired up and then they go and they do amazing things. And so I think we're, we're, we're seeing a dynamic shift in work where people feel like, yeah, I'm not only getting a paycheck, but I'm also really aligned with where we're going with this company. And I go in fired up every day and having fun. And I come home fired up and I'm actually a better human being with my family. I'll tell you one other thing, like what you mentioned, we spend most of our best hours at work and then we come home and we spend our tired hours with our family, but happier people at work come home and they're happier at home as well. 
you know, we've, 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 we've all had those partners, like, you know, my wife and other people's spouses have said, you know, why are you still doing that? If it doesn't give you pleasure, why are you doing that? Because they see that you come home unhappy, unfulfilled, and they want to change that because they want a different you too. Yeah. And I've actually read some statistics somewhere. I can't remember where it was, where people who have a bad uh, or toxic work environment actually have bad family life too. Yeah, uh, I can't remember the exact data there where there was. I was doing a research. Uh, uh, I was reading a research paper on that actually. So there was actually, actually a direct correlation between the two. So it's actually uh, bigger than just the workplace. You know, you're affecting that person's life <laughs> at home and their family too. You know. Well, and, and 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 let's take it a step further, right? I look at what we do. This is one of the things we talk about at Activate 180, and this sounds heady, and I apologize for that, but but it's what drives us, right? It's our mission. Is I think we're making generational impact, right? Because, you know, you come home and it's not just you and your spouse, it's also your kids and your right. kids in the sense that, oh, well, this is what work life is about, right? I'm going to go to work. I'm going to toil. You know, uh, my, my son has a joke. He goes, I'm going to the salt mines, you know, and it's like, and he's got a professional job, right? And, uh, but, you know, it doesn't have to be that way. And if you teach your kids that it is, now you've got the next generation. It's like, hey, you don't have to love what you do. Just go in and do it. Make your paycheck. Enjoy your vacations and put some money away. And, you know, people live. I see a lot of people live for vacations and retirement. Well, that's such a small percentage, especially while you're working of your year. How about you can like enjoy the other stuff, right? And that's what I think we have to teach our kids. We're role models for our kids. Right. And there was a the concept of retirement 200 years ago. You know, you worked and that was your life. You had life and work. It was all one thing. You know, um, yeah. you're a, if you're a blacksmith, you're a blacksmith till you couldn't blacksmith anymore. You know, yeah. Um, or if you were a farmer, you did that till the you know, you didn't like, oh, I'm 65. I'm no longer farming. My kids are going to farm. You know, it wasn't like that at all. Right. right. Or if you're a, a general or a, whatever it was, you know, kings or whatever the different roles you might have in the hierarchy. There was a concept. This is a, this is a fairly new concept, actually, if you think about it. Maybe just in the last 100, 150 years in the, since the Industrial Revolution, uh, for the most part. But that being said, you know, I think uh, one of the things that uh, when you think about the fact that uh, people have gone remote, there's all this flux in the market, you know, employees are feeling, okay, it looks like, you know, six months ago, I had all the power and now suddenly there's a down, downdrift and I might lose my job. So there's this fear you know, what as a leader can you do to make sure that you have a very highly engaged and motivated workforce? Yeah, so I, I, I try to start with, you know, kind of the mission first, right? What is our mission here? Um, and can I get people engaged in that? And if I can get people engaged in that mission, and then we can say, okay, sometimes the rules change, right? What we were doing over the last six and 12 months that worked those rules might change for the next 12 months. And so it might no longer work. It's, you know, I, I showed, you've seen that video, who moved my cheese. I don't know if you read the book or seen the video. It's like a 12 minute YouTube video. And I've shown it a bunch. And I said, Hey guys, cheese station C might come up empty. And so if it does, we have to be ready to pivot. And the beauty is we are flexible people. We know how to pivot. We know how to do this. And so let's engage and get engaged in solving the problem. And generally, in a recession, in a downturn, the problem is usually revenue, right? I've got to go out and create revenue opportunities. So let's go out and figure out how we can 
how we can do that. It might be we got to create new products. It might be we have to repackage our product differently or our service offering differently. You know, price is one way to do it. It's not the way I like to do it, but let's go out and figure out how we can create new customer opportunities, serve our customers better. I like to say what was our A game is now our C game. And we need a new A game, right? And so if you can engage your employees in that, starting with the mission of who is it we are, who is it we want to be and continue to be, and then how can we all work together? What are the steps that we can take to work together to solve this challenge? And I, I tell everybody in my companies, revenue is not just a salesperson's problem. It's everybody's problem. Because if we don't have it, and you look, you know, Facebook, Meta just announced they're going to lay off 11,000 people. Why? It's a challenging economic environment. What does that mean? It means they're having revenue challenges, you know, and they're not making the money that they used to make. And so they've got to figure out a way to cut costs. Most people don't want to get laid off. They want to keep their jobs. And if they want to do that, they have to figure out how they can be part of the solution. And if the solution is creating more opportunities to drive revenue, get involved. I love people who walk in my office and say, hey, we're a little less busy in this one practice, but this other practice over here is cranky. I want to go help those guys out. Or what can I do to help my practice get busier? So to your point, I think the engagement has to be there to be able to figure out how companies can, you know, I have a partner who runs our Canadian operation. Uh, when we talk about the 2009 Great Recession, which was devastating for the executive search industry for about a year and a half. And I said, how'd you do during that time? He says, I chose not to participate. And I said, what do you mean? He said, here's the three things I did differently than before the recession that helped drive revenue. And at the end of the day, I just out hustled it and I got my team together and we out hustled it. And that's what we did. So what is it we need to do to solve the problem? Get everybody you know, roped in and engaged in that and go do it and, and work your plan. And there's going to be some days that you'll lose, but if you did everything you could to work your plan, go home happy that night, you know? And if you do those things day in and day out, you'll feel good about what you're trying to do to affect your outcome. I think the depression that comes from a bad economy is the uncertainty about what's around the corner for me. You know, they, they, they you've heard this term before, right? It's a recession when your neighbor gets laid off. It's a depression when you get laid off. But oftentimes, even though you haven't lost your job, but somebody else has lost their job, you're depressed. Right. This is, this is an opportunity for companies too, by the way, in my opinion. I think even if you have to make those cutbacks, what do you do? What, is, what does Meta do for the, let's see, what do they have? Like 87,000 employees, something like 90, that. I think it's 94. And I was wondering, why do they have 94,000 to begin with? But that's a different topic to discuss, but uh, go ahead. Yeah, but if they have, so 94, and then after they make these cuts, they'll have 83,000, right? What do you do with the 83 that now have to do the work that 94 were doing? And how do you keep them engaged and not scared? Because let's face it, when we play scared, when we play with fear, we're not going to play our best game. You know, right. I always say like a, a quarterback out on the football field who's afraid of throwing an interception is not going to win the game because they're not going to take risks. You've got to take risks. So don't be fearful, be courageous. And it's our job as leaders to, to get our folks the tools they need to go in there and be courageous and say, okay, this happened. It's done. It happened. But here's what we're going to do moving forward. And here's how we can affect our outcome. And I think that's what the leaders need to do. Yeah. Now, you mentioned something interesting, right? You can make a choice not to participate in the economic downturn. 
And obviously as a coaching firm and executive search firm, what are the things specifically that organizations can do uh, related to what you practice? Yeah. So, you know, from, from our perspective, and, and I'll share this with you too, we start seeing a little bit of slowdown in some of our practice areas, right? We have a partner who runs a real estate practice that actually has had a pretty good year, but over the last three, four months has started to kind of slow down a little bit because a lot of it is, is, is focused on uh, commercial opportunities, uh, private equity funds that are buying real estate. And they're kind of sitting on the sidelines now saying, well, things are going to shake out. So let's let them shake out a bit. And so that's going to slow down. So what we're doing is we're taking a look at this person's practice and doing a deep dive and saying, okay, where can you position? Are there any areas in your sector that have strength? You know, for instance, uh, banks are going to have to start taking some of these properties back, but they're going to need real estate professionals to oversee them, to manage them, to move them off the books. You know, in the banking world, we call that special assets, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so it's usually called SAD, special assets department, because it is sad. You've taken over this, you know, you've, you've foreclosed on stuff, but they need to hire professionals. And, and, and banks haven't done this since the Great Recession. So those SAD departments don't really exist. Nothing's ever come back. Everything's, you know, been up and to the right, but now it's going to change. And so they're going to have to staff up. So her expertise, our partner's expertise in real estate for management, um, for restructuring, for balance sheet, finance, strings, things like that, it's going to move possibly over to the finance world. And so she can shift over there. So what we're trying to do is do a strategic deep dive and say, okay, let's go to where the money is and where the opportunity is. Because it might not be here anymore, at least for a while, but it might be over here. And let's face it, real estate went in the toilet starting in 2007 and didn't come out until 2012. Right. But it did come out. And it was really big for that next nine years. So it might go in the toilet for a while and it'll come back. I, I, you know, my line is this too shall pass. Whatever it is, it shall pass. But if you sit there and you continue to go to cheese station C, expecting there to be cheese, you're going to be disappointed. So step one, in my opinion, Shree, is you got to have a plan. And you got to look back and say, okay, how can I reposition myself, my expertise, my business to serve clients that need me. And that's the first step, because if you're not looking at that, you're letting your business be run by the macroeconomic characteristics or, you know, things happening out in the market. You're not running it. We need to run it. Right. Yeah. So I, I, I like to say, you know, we're driving down a road, but it's not really paved and it's not, you know, we're imagine we're out there in the wilderness and we're driving through and there's just no, there's no trail, there's no road, but we know the direction we want to go. We've got to kind of make it up as we go. And hopefully we miss, we, we, we don't go into a ditch. We don't go off a cliff. We don't run into a mountain, you know, so we've got to navigate a little bit, right? Yeah. And if we use our brains and say, okay, where's the opportunity? Where's the money? That's our navigation. And we'll, we'll get past this and we'll move forward. So not every firm, I mean, I look back to, you know, Airbnb was founded in the last recession. Uber was founded in the last recession. I mean, some great companies get founded during those times and the people that serve those companies, they do well too. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about these layoffs that are, that are happening. Um, at least some of the high profile ones have you know, surfaced, especially in the tech sector. What does a leader do for the people who are left behind to make sure that you know, their productivity and motivation levels don't go to the toilet? Yeah, I think it's a really big opportunity for companies 
um, that oftentimes is, 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 is missed, right? Um, you know, you've got, we just mentioned at Meta, they're going to have 83,000 people doing the work that 94,000 people were doing, right? So now all of a sudden, the work doesn't go away. They still have to get that stuff done, right? But you just have fewer people doing it. And so what can we do to motivate those folks? First of all, we've got to take fear out of the equation. We've got to let them know, hey, we've got to control. We've got to handle on our income statement, our balance sheet, our cash is good. We're in a good place now. Okay, so we had to right size, but now we've done it. And now we need everybody moving forward to control our destiny at this point. And so one of the things, and this is one of the things we talk about with Activate 180 Coaching, you know, I'll, I'll talk to companies from time to time. And, and because of the uncertainty and the fear, if their company is being impacted, if it's not just up and to the right, they might be saying, hey, we're just kind of holding off right now. We're not, we're not going to spend anything. I'm like, well, wouldn't you spend money on something that drove value, that drove productivity and performance improvement? And it wasn't all that expensive, but you can see a measurable impact in bottom line performance of each and every individual employee. Why not do something like that? And so we're actually trying to say, this is a productivity enhancement. This is a performance improver, right? And it's got, a, it's got an ROI attached to it. We've created an ROI calculator that says, if you do these things for your people, here's what comes out of it, right? So we're trying to work with companies that are courageous. They might've needed to make cuts, but then with the rest of their folks, they're saying, okay, we're still gonna move forward. Our five-year plan is still intact. Our one-year plan changed. You know, we needed to make some changes because the, the, the one-year macroeconomic environment is such that we need to do it. But here's what we're trying to do to make sure that you guys are all well-equipped to handle this. And I think employee happiness is as important as ever because what you're gonna do is you're gonna have people walking in feeling really bad about the person that sat next to them and is no longer there anymore, seeing empty spaces, you know, and saying, okay, when's the next shoe gonna drop? When's the hammer gonna drop on me? right? We got to get past that. So as leaders, it's like address it, stay in front of it, do it regularly. The other thing I was going to say, Shri, is transparency. Really, really huge. People are a lot more resilient than I think a lot of leaders give them credit for. I talk to people a lot and I say, do you share your bottom line numbers? I know you share your top line. Do you share your, and these are private companies. Do you share your bottom line numbers with your employees? Most private companies don't do it for two reasons. Number one, they don't want their employees to know they're making as much money as they are. And number two, they don't want their employees to know they're doing as badly as they are, like the right. opposite end of the spectrum, because they don't think that, that they can handle it. Well, I've seen the exact opposite. In both cases, people generally think when you're doing well, you're doing way better than you are. Okay. So when you tell them how you're doing, they're like, oh, okay, you're making 10% pre-tax and, you know, 10 cents on the dollar. That's it. You're not, you know, getting hugely rich. You know, you're, you're not doing it on me and you treat me well. So I'm okay with that. And the second side is, hey guys, we have a challenge. We're not making money. We're losing money. Now, let me tell you about our balance sheet and how that can support losses and what our runway is like. As long as we have a runway, we're okay, but let's get the plane off the ground before the runway ends. We've got to get this plane off the ground. And here's what I need each of you to do. So I think transparency is massive in these times. And it's something that's kind of overlooked. Yeah, I think transparency is extremely key. You know, and one of the things I, I've been through layoffs before in my previous when I was an employee. Uh, I, fortunately, I did not get laid off. But there was a lot of palpable fear, you know, even with me, because I was actually a foreign 
visa holder and you know when you lose a job you have 60 days to find another job and a sponsor otherwise you have to go back uh, to your home country which in my case was india um and it was a lot of fear right i mean i had done all this effort and work to get here and you know gone to school and did all the right things if you will and um fortunately you know i didn't have to get it off but the the fear was real and i think one of the things my employer did well was that after they laid off these x number of people they said this is it we are done we are not doing any more layoffs and uh and they didn't do it for at least 6 months they didn't do it and the economy went further down south and they had to do some more but but at least they they tried really hard to stick to their uh you know the word that they gave to the employees and i think that's important uh because uncertainty causes actually more pain than even a bad certainty yes yeah oh for sure and you know i w- one thing I'll, i'll share with you that i share with um with employees right who are facing this so you know we have this executive network for senior executives in transition as as you read in the beginning we've served over 10,000 senior executives i mean ceos of of big companies like multi billion dollar companies have been through our executive network all the way to you know it's kind of vp and above right so all people call me and say hey i'm not sure if i'm going to get the hammer dropped on me but it just got dropped on 10% of our employee base and so now i'm concerned and then they might even say things like hey you hear from companies what they're looking for in terms of transformational leaders what are the things i need to be focused on and this is one of the things i tell people you are the president of your career your boss isn't your company isn't you are the president imagine that your career is your own company Now what are you going to do to make what you sell indispensable to who's buying it right and what are you going to do to try and help them solve their problems and so the term i use indispensable is what you have to become as an employee and which employees are generally indispensable the ones that drive value in hard times or good times but they have to drive value and if i'm not if i if you're waiting like okay tell me what to do give me orders i need to know and i'll i'll help you Well that's one kind of employee. If you're an employee who says, "Hey, I know how we can fix this. I have some ideas. I've got a plan A and a plan B and a plan C, but here's what I want to do and I want to affect our top line." I'm telling you what, as a leader, I'm not laying that person off. Yes. I'm let I'm going to let them run with it because they're trying to help me solve the problem. I mean, let's face it, you're a leader, I'm a leader. I've run a number of companies. Luckily, I have a leadership team. They come to me and they're like, "Here's what I here's what we propose to solve the problems." I love that. because it's lonely at the top when you're the only one trying to figure out how are we going to pay our bills 9 months from now right. what are the things that we cuz we have a runway but it's not no runway is i don't care who you are no runway is unlimited right you can you can lose your way into bankruptcy and we've seen this from great companies in the past that are no longer great companies so we have to have people on board that are going to make themselves indispensable by helping us solve the problem so i always tell people figure out what the biggest problem is in your company generally in a hard time it's it's revenue figure out how you can help solve that and make yourself indispensable i'll tell you i'll tell you one one other quick thing i was involved in layoffs as well i was a banker when i started my career and uh one bank i worked at now we got bought by bank of america we had three layoffs in two years i never got laid off and i remember talking to my boss and i was 23 24 years old at the time and i said why are these people who have been around forever getting laid off He said to me, "They don't know how to drive revenue. And revenue is hard to come by. We're in a downturn right now. You pick up the phone, you call CFOs you've never talked to before, and you go out and you sell loans and you drive revenue. 
And that's what we need. And as long as you keep doing that, you will always be safe because we never lay off the people that are bringing in business. The yeah. people that are waiting for the phone to ring. And I, and I heard that, you know, the biggest search firm in the world was trying to recruit Chris Bull and I before we started our company. And uh, when we decided to start McDermott and Bull, six months into it, we had the tech recession. And this firm, they were on the front page of the business section in our newspaper and it said laid off 300 people that day. And at 10 in the morning, I get a call from the gal who tried to recruit me. And she's like, hey, I'm giving you my quarterly call. I still want you on the team. And I go, hey, don't you read your own press? You guys just laid off 300 people. She made this comment to me, and I'll never forget it. She said, Rod, we laid off people who know how to answer a ringing phone. You guys know how to make a phone ring. You want to be indispensable? Make that phone ring. Yeah. I think that's, it's critical, right, uh, that as an, as an employee – you want to feel that you have a stake in this too, and you're not just there to be told what to do. And I think that's an important lesson from this discussion that I'm taking away from you, is that we often ask, what can an employer do for an employee? What can an employer do for an employee? How can I be a better manager? How can I engage those people? And it's just all valid questions. But at some point, you got to also ask, what are you doing to, to make the change? Because if you're not making the change, change is going to happen to you. Mm-hmm. You know, either you're a change maker or you're a change taker, essentially, right? So, well, thanks a lot, uh, Rod. This has been an absolute pleasure. Uh, just before that, we end, I'd like to obviously, you know, have you talk about how people can reach you and what specifically uh, that you do to help uh, leaders and, and other businesses. Yeah, absolutely. So I've got a bunch of uh, email addresses. I'll use my activate180.com email. So rmcdermott at activate180.com is an easy way. You can look at our website, activate180.com or mbexec.com for McDermott and Bull. Uh, and I'm very accessible. So, you know, if anybody has any any questions or comments, or whatever, please reach out to me. I'm happy to talk with folks. Awesome. Well, thanks a lot, Rod. It's been a pleasure. Shri, I've enjoyed it. Thank you. Shri Chalapa here. Thank you so much for listening to the People Strategy Leaders Podcast. If you are a successful leader or a people strategist who would like to be on this program, please visit engagedly.com slash people strategy leaders podcast. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag people strategy leaders. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Follow me on LinkedIn and Twitter at Sri Chalapa. Thanks for listening. We will see you next time. And thank you to Patrick Ramsey, sound engineer at Kalinga Production Studios, for recording and mixing this show.